Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little, a little annoyed. We will make this short in case people want to turn off the podcast right away. Uh, we'll make this short. But last week when I said I was nervous about the podcast, I was not. I'm never nervous about talking to you. We joke about this, and I know like there's a persistent rumor that uh, you know I have you. I'm blackmailing you to continue doing this podcast with me. Oh, that's get not out a rumor. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, I'm never scared to talk to you. Like we were talking before we did the podcast, and you know. So we live our lives in a very rough and tumble arguing sort of way. So uh-huh. we're totally used to it. Yeah. What I was nervous about and unfortunately I think was realized was uh, the I, I was I was frustrated by some of the feedback we got to got to got to the last episode. And and I'm not I'm never frustrated people saying I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong a lot. I guess what I was frustrated was uh it, it just with F- Facebook's fascinating. I feel like Facebook is kind of the anti Apple in that Apple attracts very fervent support, shall we say? Mm. And the only company I feel like that matches it is Facebook attracts is very fervent detraction, mm. if that makes sense. And, uh, and I feel there is so basically, so one, did you know I have a blog? Oh, do you? I do, and I, I, you, you have a blog. I do, and I've How written articles. How could that have not come up before? I, now? I, I have written articles critical of Facebook on the blog, including just a couple of weeks ago about algorithms and the problematic and Facebook's overreaching power. Um, on the podcast, uh, I think it was clear. I mean, I edited, I actually edited it twice because we wanted it, it to to flow smoothly, and I definitely agreed with you that there is a big problem here it's an issue and so it's a little frustrating when people are uh, and it wasn't just one person so the person who thinks i'm talking to them i'm not i'm talking to like actually multiple people like who thinks that i'm ignoring this issue or not it, it again it's i i'm a big boy i can deal with it i just i kind of feel like i yeah. would like a little more benefit of the doubt on, yeah on, on this, i, I think sense. this is something that you and i and we talked about it after last week i think it's something that you and i both need to get better at ourselves which is when we're having these arguments we we will dive uh into the places where we disagree uh, and rather than spend the time acknowledging the places where we do agree and i i, I know it when you're doing it and you know it when i'm doing it like, like we kind of well, most of the time, we both know where we agree, and then we spend most of our time disagreeing. But I, I felt that during the discussion that you you agreed with me that this could be a problem. The source of disagreement was the the likelihood of it being a problem, the impact of it being a problem, and given those two elements, uh, what we should do about it. And I didn't have a good solution, but I didn't feel at any stage that you were disagreeing that it could be a problem. It was just like there wasn't a good solution. I think this is actually the most frustrating part is because I actually do reply to most feedback and I would reply saying, okay, well then what do you think the solution would be? And people would come back saying, you can't do that. That's unfair. You have to, and I'm like, yes, I I can do it. Like we agree it's a problem, but if you don't, it's very easy to describe problems. There are problems everywhere. You can get a lot of traction and uh, by describing how bad things are it's very hard to come up with solutions because once you get into solutions you start getting into why the problems exist in the first place Mm. so i think i might have used this on this podcast before but when i used to do interviewing uh you know like for microsoft or whatever and and like my favorite Mm. question would be 
Oh, wait. Why did choose... that person... Do... Sorry, I interrupted yeah, yeah, yeah. you. Oh, sorry. I guess that means I'm repeating myself. But yeah, what's a decision you disagree with or what's a product that you think is poorly designed or something like that? Mm. And then it, that's an easy question. The follow-up question is why do you think they did that? Mm. And the reason that's so powerful is because that pushes you past it, seeing that there's a problem and seeing to what level have you thought through why the problem exists? Are those causes of the problem systematic? Like how do you change systems? I mean, the problem when it comes to Facebook is that it's it's aggregation theory. It's the sort of stuff I write about. I am painfully aware of the problem. Like I've spent thousands and thousands of words describing the structure of the problem. And I, and so I'm very interested in knowing what the solution is because as far as I can see, the only viable solution is some sort of government regulation. And I'm very nervous about government regulation of speech, particularly – so you have to balance it. There's, there's big problems there. And believe me, government has their own incentive problems when it comes to speech in particular – Weighing that versus the present situation, which admittedly is theoretically problematic, but all evidence suggests is not a a a conscious mm-hmm. problem. And the way Facebook has responded suggests that their incentives are indeed aligned against not doing this. And you put all these stuff on the scale and you see which way, way it, it tilts. And is that messy and unsatisfactory? And am I throwing myself on on – the f- fire to like condemn Facebook? No, I'm not going to because I'm more interested in figuring out what are the what are the complexities here and how do we move forward. Mm, I I think that's fair, and I um I want to be careful not to venture back into the conversation from last <laughs> week, but like I I found it very helpful, particularly the pushback on I um someone wrote in and they uh. Who was it? He wrote in today, and we'll give him a shout out. Nathan Ferguson wrote in with a um, uh, a very good point to some feedback to both of us about last week, and he said that I have a tendency. I have a tendency, or at least I did last week, but I think it's probably something ongoing. I have a tendency to reach for the government lever too much, and you want to be very careful and very thoughtful doing it because it's a very blunt instrument. And I agree. And uh, between. What, the conversation we had last week, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I'm trying to write something, trying to think about a way of like navigating this where you don't overshoot, you don't want the government regulating speech, but there, there needs to be something more than, well, I think there needs to be something more than just like, we'll trust you. And so um, I'm going to, I'm talking about it now to commit myself to like getting it out in the not too distant future. Yeah, so we I mean, we're not going to go. We could redebate this. We've already redebated it like four or five times, and it's probably not. It's definitely not productive. But I, 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 and I think, and this is why to go back to being the podcast. Why I enjoy discussing with you so much because, like, I don't think either of us are are interested in in standing on our soapboxes and you know rallying the crowds to our size like we we kind of revel in complexity Mm. and to your point we probably get in trouble when we get into the complex too quickly without sort of you know putting guideposts on the way down about how we got where we were yeah totally anyway uh speaking of free speech and facebook Mm. yeah there is a there's been a a, the the scandal du jour is uh (laughs) uh so peter Thiel has been revealed as the funder of not just the Hulk Hogan lawsuit against Gawker, but a number of lawsuits against against Gawker. And 
there's a few interesting things that are that that are, that are going on here. There are kind of suspicions arose when in the Hulk Hogan case. Uh, one, he didn't accept a very generous settlement, which I think was like ten million dollars, and is what ten million dollars is likely more than. I mean, this case has already got kind of destroyed in federal court. Like that was definitely free speech and protected and all this sort of stuff. Again, I'm not going to get the complexities of it. Just the, there's a very good chance Hogan's not going to get anything from this. I should probably use his real name, but I can't remember what it is. So he he turned on a settlement. One, two, they amended their claim to remove a part of the claim that would have been covered by insurance and would have brought Gawker's insurance into the case and thus paying for it. And so the suspicion was this case is existing to make Gawker pay, Gawker pay legal fees. Mm. And it turns out that's true. And it's not just this case. There's actually a few other cases. They're all the same lawyer. And it's being funded by by Peter Thiel, who is uh, most famous for uh, helping found PayPal and then being the first big funder of Facebook, the co-founded Palantir. And has a number of successful venture funds. I mean, the guy the guy clearly knows what he's doing. And he's also, um, fun fact of the day, he is a Donald Trump delegate. So uh, that's not full context, though. The other context is Gawker uh, outed Peter Thiel as being gay against his strident objections back, back in uh, 2006, 2007. And it's, by all accounts, like, it's been a 10-year grudge in the making, and he's been waiting. And he told Denton, that the, the, the founder of Gawker, that he would rain hellfire on them. And now he has. <laughs> That's a 10-year grudge is um, – it's, kind of, it's almost kind of admirable. No I mean, yeah, he knows how to play a long game. Like, let's give the guy credit. Look. I guess that's why he's such a good you know, VC and founder, right? I right. mean, he definitely takes the long-term view, to say the least. This is this is tough because on one hand, like I I think that some of what Gorka has put out into the world is like less than less than savory. And speaking personally, like I can empathize quite a lot with Teal because like what he went through it's is something that I've gone through. And like my family and my close friends know about this, but um like I've I've uh, like gone through the process of coming out like I'm gay for those folks who don't know, and there's a point at which when you don't want people to know, having it revealed would make the world f- like it it would just make the world feel like it's going to come down around your ears. It's just like this secret that you don't want anyone to know. Like people process it in different ways, but they feel shame about it. And there's a process of acceptance that you, most people come around to, and I certainly have, and I'm, I'm much more comfortable with it now. But there was certainly a point in time where if someone had done that to me, I'd have been absolutely devastated. So I can very much relate to why he feels this way. So this is actually reminding me a little bit about another conversation that you and I had in a very different field around the whole Uber scandal when Uber was... Um, when Uber was like going after journalists and stuff. And it's, it's I, in the same way that Uber has this, this fighting culture because they've struggled in, in so many ways, I think Gorka has a similar thing, which is there's almost this radical transparency. It's like if there's something here, it needs to be published. And I, th- I think that there are instances where things that are things like, uh, so I, I think, it's like the secret email account of Hillary Clinton 
the Bill Cosby, um, the mayor of Toronto is a crack smoker, Tom Cruise's role in Scientology, the NFL's cover-up of domestic abuse by players. Like, I, I mean, a, a traditional journalistic organization would put a layer of like, is this in the public interest kind of thing? Whereas I feel these guys just have a bias towards like putting stuff out now, out there. Now, if it was just like diving into people's personal lives and making people feel embarrassed, then I totally get it. Like like the Condé Nast CFO who no one even knew what his name was and they yeah. ran a massive expose about that he was gay. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not. I don't want to. And, and he I don't was not out not at all. He it. was like he was married with with kids, and you can sure you can disagree with the morality of like going out of his marriage. But how on earth is someone's personal morals at any like worthy of tens of millions of page views? Yeah, look, I, I'm not. I. I I would find it um, extraordinary if I found myself on the defense about behavior like that because I, I'm, I, it's, it's undefendable behavior. I was merely making the observation that, that like, again, in, even in this context, some of, this, some, of the, uh, some of the strengths have associated weaknesses with them. And like these yeah, two yeah, instances totally. are definitely associated weaknesses. Now, given given this, I, I feel that I can empathize quite a bit with Teal and what he's going through, and I still have a real issue with this idea of um, of someone having. I mean, th- there's just like the the obvious like quick and dirty moral play, which is like, okay, you're a libertarian that that like believes in small government, and yet you're secretly using this kind of like the government to shut down free press. Like that, something about that doesn't strike me as being right. But even more broadly, this idea that 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 uh, a money class, someone who's been super successful can can stymie free speech by tying it up in the courts with these massive lawsuits. Like it, it makes me feel really, really uncomfortable that, that that's possible. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a few layers to this. So, I mean, first off, there is definitely, there's nothing legally problematic about any of this. It's not right. a, like, uh, who, who pays for it shouldn't matter, right? Well, it, it, well, it, 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 and it doesn't matter. And Gawker, like they're being agitated in the courts. And like I said, ho- actually, Hogan is probably ultimately going going to lose. In my estimation, I, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, you know, just kind of, I, I've read a bit about read a bit about the case. I was gonna, I think, I don't think I wrote about it, but I I researched it. Mm. Yeah, so there's like, and it's not a free speech violation because he's not the government. The only the government, you know, like the the the, the First Amendment is binding on the government, not mm-hmm. on not on an individual. I think though, where it gets, and I and so and on the other hand, like I think like what Gawker did to Teal is is really despicable. Uh-huh. Like, and it, it, at that time, Teal was relatively well well known. He'd been the CEO of PayPal. He he founded PayPal. He'd, he'd done his Facebook investment, and so uh, yes, he was a public figure. But even if he was a public figure, I don't think that that was any of his business, especially when he very explicitly asked slash told Gawker not to publish it. Like, it's not like this. I mean, in some respects, like Gawker, Gawker knew. Like, he, the guy kept his promise. You know what I mean? Oh, he he absolutely did. But uh, I mean, it's almost like you need to disaggregate these things. Like, as despicable as the first act is, does it does it 
it just makes me unsettled that the second act is possible because I'm sure if you trawl through enough of any journalist stuff, you're going to, or maybe you wouldn't even need to, you'll just find something and you you fund a lawsuit and you tie these people up in court and, and you're able to, with su- sufficient resources, you're able to chill speech just on the basis of that or, or shut down a publication. Whether it's something that was despicable done in the first instance or not, it's just not something that sits well with me. Well, I think it, I, I would actually take it kind of a step further in that uh, what Gawker done is is actually also, you know, likely legal. I, yes, they got decided against in, in this Hogan case, but it was in a state court and they got like the the area, like all the reasons that they got convicted were already invalidated by a federal court, like on, on a previous version of the case. Mm. So it's almost like on appeal, it's almost certainly going to go, go Gawker's way. Uh, um Again, I'm not a lawyer, but let's let's just for let's presume that that's the case. That what mm. everything they've done has been legal, despite these lawsuits, and that the goal of the lawsuits is just to bleed them with legal fees, mm. which I think is is the case. Mm. I actually think that Gawker and Thiel are are two sides of the same coin, and what I mean by that is, and this is kind of like my small c conservative part coming out, but no society, no anything can. If you equate morality with legality, mm. it's a recipe for 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 I don't know if chaos is the right word, but it's a recipe for for lots of really bad stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have these sorts of like agreed upon bounds about what's acceptable and what's not, like that's how you get stuff like like these super leveraged assets on Wall Street, for example, that led to the financial crash. Like right? there there was. Wasn't that much illegal stuff happening? Actually, the stuff that actually caused the crash wasn't illegal, but like it doesn't mean it was right. Mm-hmm. And I think what Gawker Gawker outing Teal or 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 the CFO or the, the a whole litany of stuff that they've done. You you, mm-hmm. did, you did a great job reading Denton's press release, which listed some of the great stuff. But mm. you know, there's a whole list of other stuff too, like not illegal, but that doesn't mean that 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 it was right. And Teal. Funding this not illegal, mm. but but also doesn't mean that it's right. And kind of at a very fundamental level, uh, that's why this whole thing. That's why it's so hard to educate this. Like in why you can be totally empathetic with both sides and disgusted mm. with both sides all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I I think you just nailed it. Like that's a that's a perfect articulation of it. And honestly, for. F- f- it's like, yeah, it's a it's a perfect articulation of it. They're both kind of playing uh, below the belt. Well, I think, and I I think to that point though, I I do think that the uh, I am more concerned with the, the the teal angle, and I again, and I'm 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 interested in you can speak to this better than I can, but I I'm disgusted and outraged on his behalf that that this was put out there. I'm generally. A, a, a private person and I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand why that that's anyone, that's anyone's interest. And, and it bothers me greatly that it's such a topic in American politics regularly. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, like the guy, the guy has won. He's, he's a multi-billionaire. He is on his way to doing more. Like he, there's to be a, part of a society that enabled you to win to be a part of a society that puts 
hundreds of millions in a country, billions of people around the world on a service that makes you wealthy beyond imagination. Like you, you won like, and the, it's it, I, the way that I almost think of like the, the sort of philosophical underpinnings of like just war and total war and, mm. and, and that, mm. those sorts of things. Like there are times where I do think war is justified and, but the levels matter. Like it matters if you fight a conventional war. It matters if you bring in nuclear weapons. It matters if you firebomb a city. I mean, there's debates going on right now. You know, President Obama's visiting, um, uh, here, you know, Hiroshima, which, you know, there's a debate about these exact topics. And at like you can't you can't think of the world in black and white. You can't say did Gawker do wrong by Teal? Yes, they did without question. And was it egregiously wrong? Were they warned about it? Was it just spiteful wrong? It was. Like, I'm not interested in defending Gawker. But at at the same time, there's lots of little countries that do stuff. Should we drop a nuclear bomb on them? Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you say he won. I, I don't want, I, I don't think I can argue with that. I think, again, it's a great articulation. I think what's interesting is you say he won and you gave all the reasons for it. He's like a, a multi-billionaire and he's built these succession of incredible businesses. It's interesting that when people get to that point in their lives and experience that level of success, I, 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 this is something that kind of came up last week too. Like their definition of winning starts to change and it becomes more about shaping. Um, it becomes more about shape, like less about making more money and more about changing the world for the better in their eyes. And the, the thing that I struggle with is he seems to be a very principled man in a lot of regards. And he he uh, he makes donations to like, I, I read about this, like uh, donations to like uh, journalist independence type organizations. And on the other hand, he will come and come and do something like this. And it's going to serve as a blueprint for anyone who's super wealthy now who has something that they don't like written about them. He didn't fund a lawsuit on the Hulk Hogan issue. He funded lawyers to go find lawsuits to take to Gorka. And you could see that being a blueprint now and it being totally okay, depending on how this all works out, as a as a blueprint for how to chill f- like freedom of the press in the United States. Yeah, and, and this kind of takes it full circle because right now the, the, the press generally is more vulnerable than they've ever been because their business model's been destroyed. Mm. And their business model's been destroyed by Facebook, which is the company that made Teal all his money, you know, or you know, at least the, the, the hugest yeah. portion of it. And the the broader issue here is one that we've certainly discussed on, on, on this podcast is my concern that the tech industry broadly, and you see, like, like no, very, like the the industry, the industry despises Gawker and despises Valuewake, absolutely despises them. And there are the VC folk industry in general is dancing on their grave tonight on on Twitter, and and it 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 really concerns me because there's such a presumption of righteousness mm. in technology. We are changing the world. We are doing this sort of stuff. And, no, and, and people are genuinely confused when people get upset about stuff and, and generally confused. Like, why are they, why are they accusing us? We men good and, you know, do no evil and, and all, all these sorts of stuff. And the fact of the matter is that, like, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, it, it, 
you and I both believe that technology is not just transforming the, the, the news business or the media business, but fundamentally changing the way economics work. Mm. Like that's a pretty big fucking deal. And it's going to impact a lot of people's lives. And it's going to uproot a lot of people. And, it, and, and it, it, there is these massive forces driving towards a centralization of power and influence and all the stuff that we debated about. And my, my concern is that no one's taking that seriously. And certainly not Teal because if he had a moment to think about the externalities of what he's doing, and this gets to my criticism of libertarianism generally, I'll add – like, this is all tied up into Facebook, and it's all tied up into tech broadly. And he may go home tonight and pour himself a good drink and pat himself on the back for fucking over Gawker. Excuse my language. But he – this this is more problematic for Facebook, I would argue, than what happened – than, than what happened last week. And the reason it's problematic, not because Teal's on the board and that sort of stuff. It's problematic because, like – at the end of the day, tech has a big role in this increasing inequality, has a big role in this destroying these institutions, has a big role in centralizing power. And yes, I'm optimistic in the long run that this will lead to a even more productive and better society and, and, and a better standard of living, not just in the United States, but all over the world. But it is going to invite scrutiny. And the, the like, what kind of scrutiny do you want? Do you want your standard, like, Valley wag scurrying around your ankle scrutiny, or do you want to bring to bear things like the government? And this increases the likelihood of the latter, and it comes from not taking it seriously. It's it's interesting because as you describe, I, so I, I, I just to be clear, I everything that you just stated, I agreed with. As you were describing um, uh, the valley um, dancing on the grave of of. Um, Gawker and Valleywag. It 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 reminded me a little bit about your criticism of my my like okay let's let's regulate Facebook using the government l last week with the implication being the direction I was going was like the government should get some say in what Facebook was what Facebook was uh, going to put published through its algorithm and you made a really good point and it wasn't on air it was to me afterwards which is like. Uh, everyone assumes everyone assumes that it's going to be them in power or it's just going to be them winning these things but what happens if you start giving the government that power and and Donald Trump wins like do you really want Donald Trump to have easy access to a lever where he can control what Facebook is pushing through its algorithm and it reminded me exactly the same thing of um of like VCs da dancing on the grave of Gawker and Valleywag, like there's this uh, the 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 principle of um, Kantian principle of universality. Like you, when you suggest something or you act in a certain way, assume it's going to be acted out everywhere and against not just things that you don't like, but things that you do like as well. You want to be damn sure before you go down this path that it's not going to come back to bite you. And I I really feel like that if if the the way that people over here were viewing this were through a lens of universality as opposed to just the lens of like, yeah, we screwed Gorka. There wouldn't be quite so many people celebrating tonight. Yeah. And I completely agree. And like that, this is like this, the conservatism that I have is this, it's the fear of unintended consequences. Mm, and right. And 
when you're dealing with something that is is mostly working, yes, everything can always be better. But if you don't fully think through, if you don't think about like this to take this conversation full circle, if you don't think about the alternatives and what are the implications of those alternatives, then you haven't fully analyzed the problem. Like you haven't dug beneath the surface and, and yeah, and this is not something that's limited to uh, our, we have the smartest listeners, you know, in the world, obviously, but it's not listed to <laughs> limited to exponent listeners, right? Like even brilliant people like Peter Thiel, like I question the degree to which, you know, he's thought through the second and third order implications of this. And again, given his political philosophy, I'm not surprised, but that. There's my gratuitous shot for the day. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing, I guess. Like when when people are angry and when people are hurt, and admittedly he's had a long time to cool down on it, but when people are angry <laughs> and they're hurt, they don't they tend not to think rationally about these things. All they see is all they they feel the pain and they they wanna they wanna get back at it. Um you, you, one and, can never ever deny or doubt that that Peter Thiel uh, is committed to the long term though. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um it's fascinating. How much does that? How much does the mindset that goes into this ten-year seething, waiting for the opportunity to exact your revenge, go into the fact he's arguably the most successful entrepreneur and venture capitalist yeah. we've seen in in decades? I, again, I, I think it's like a, it's a it's the strength is weakness type thing, uh, like manifesting in just a very different light. It's it's not yeah it's I I think it's just this the same the same uh, attributes the same character traits just in uh, uh, like the determined to win and like we're gonna stick it out and like the opportunity will present itself and we've just got to be patient like those are those are like those are great attributes for an entrepreneur but. Um, it's. It seems to have. I. I don't know. I feel in this instance cut the other way. Yeah. No. I, I guess the, the the big takeaway I would have, and I hope that this is a less like because we've been saying this for a while. Again, it's nothing new that 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 Silicon Valley can internalize. Like you are, tech is the big boy on the block. You're not the underdog. You are the you are the big guy. You're, and there's a very thin line. What you do as an underdog can be charming you can do the exact same thing as as a as a big guy and now you're a bully yeah that's yes that's exactly the word that i would use this feels like bullying and um i i don't i don't think it's a good look and it's going to i i feel it's going to yeah tonight fine it's probably not the end of the world but i feel it's going to come back and bite in some way um, yeah, it, it's not necessarily this case. It's the it's the thinking that goes behind pursuing this case that's so problematic. Yeah, uh, it, and and the not just the blueprint that's been provided um, to to um, people into how to uh, chill to, to to chill the freedom of press, but whether the the chill will extend internally just because the next time something that really ought to come to light because it's it's valuable for society for it to come out like and you don't want journalists thinking twice about whether that this is going to be something that they publish about someone super powerful that's going to result a couple of years later in their employer being um brought to their knees in in legal fees like you just like that's not the kind of society you want to live in yeah well i guess just to bring this full circle to the facebook thing like this is my real fear about facebook my fear about facebook again i i'm 
I think the idea that Mark Zuckerberg or anyone else would willingly bias the newsfeed is completely overblown and and is too and it, I'm getting my shots in because you're not going to yeah, yeah. respond. I, 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 won't, I agreed <laughs> not to, to restart the debate, so you can say whatever you want. The problem is is you have a bunch of people from a common background who have no idea about their power. It's the obliviousness about the power that 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 concerns me. It, it's the conviction and it's the righteousness, like the combination of righteousness, unappreciated power, and lack of perspective is such a is such a deadly mix that can manifest itself in completely unpredictable ways that you won't that you that you won't see coming. And that characterizes Facebook. I like I think the people at Facebook are good people. I think they want to do good things. I think the the hatred towards the company is way out of is way out of whack but at the end of the day they're generally speaking a bunch of ivy league and stanford grads who are having a very real impact on the world and they're oblivious to how how powerful they are and there there needs to be a lot more grace and a lot more humility and if that grace and humility does not come from Facebook, it will be imposed on them and it will be ugly. Well, I'm, I'm going to take your argument from last week and, and, and probably try and use it against you, which is you said the culture would prevent, um, would prevent folks from necessarily going in and manipulating the news. I would say that the culture that you just described I, I don't know that those things. Again, I've got f- friends that work at Facebook, and they're they're wonderful people. Um, but as an organization and the way it approaches the world, I don't think grace and humility are um, are necessarily <laughs> the way I would describe the organization. And to be fair, that's p- again part of the reason why they've been successful. Like that that like all those things are part of the drive to get things done and to fight against the odds and to be successful but i i, I don't i i think it's more likely that you'll get it imposed on them from the outside um than it will be that they learn it of their own accord short of a challenger coming along and and um them realizing that they, they're not unstoppable yeah uh, two things one i've never like I've always been concerned about the implicit bias. And again, I said this last week. It's the explicit action, just to be mm-hmm. clear. Um, yeah, two, yeah. Two, I actually – I would push back on the humility thing and, and not in all areas. But I actually think one of Zuckerberg's greatest strengths has been his humility about what he doesn't know and the way he's br- surrounded himself with people who are really strong and take care of stuff that he's not good at and he defers to them. And I think like they're really paranoid in a – like like I said, it, it it's kind of hurting them now in some respects, but it's a positive trait in that they don't they don't presume to to own the world. I think the way that that some other companies have. That said, like as we talked about the, with like the, what happened in India, like I was just thinking that everyone like, everyone has blind spots. This is the this is the thing. I actually think again, I think Zuckerberg in the way he's conducted his business and the way he's admitted fault and brought on people and all this sort of stuff. Like I I think he's one of the most humble chief executives to a degree a chief executive can be humble we've had. And even he, who again I think deserves more admiration than people give him, totally blew it because he had a huge blind spot because that's what happens when you no one can have every experience in the world. And like and that's the that's the diversity problem. That's the perspective problem. That's why 
emphasizing diversity is yes, of course there 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 is a moral component to it, but there is a rock solid business component to it as well. That you're gonna get yourself in trouble if you walk into it's the stuff you don't know that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair. I guess um, I, I, you you brought up the India thing, and I agree with what you said about Zuckerberg and him being very good about bringing in people uh, for the blind spots. I guess my comments, just so it's not just to explain it, so it's not just me shooting from the hip. The place where that uh, that lack of humility. Uh, or, or, and, and maybe that's maybe even that's the wrong term stems from is just the the way in which Facebook's gone about changing certain uh, appro- well their approach to privacy and changes to user agreements and you've had people up in arms and that it it sometimes appears deaf um, well, and just proceeded anyway yeah we're, we're at the risk of getting into the weeds if you have a service with hundreds of millions of users or billions of users everyone's going to object to everything. Yeah. Like, no matter no matter no matter what you do, and and again in Facebook's defense, it, while I disagree with some of their moves, they are all consistently at to the, like the Facebook ideology of like openness and sharing, and they've been, and I think they've and and they have backed off, like they have they have made changes in response to 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 uproars, and like again, I'm not saying I necessarily agree with them, but they've been pretty transparent and consistent about what they're mm. doing. And, and to do one more segue, mm. the you know. Actually, Facebook Facebook is a good example of this. Like, I wrote about I wrote about culture this week, and you know, Facebook had a, Facebook started out like famously like it it, it was about trans, transparency and, and taking stuff that was offline and taking offline networks and putting them online and making you could see your classmates and you could do this sort of stuff. And you know, Zuckerberg famously his first app was like a hot or not sort of like mashup sort of thing, right? And like and just like exposing stuff that wasn't private per se, but there was friction in accessing mm-hmm. it. And Facebook, what Facebook at the very core is removing the friction in in surfing your, your your network that already exists. The reason Facebook is so much more powerful and so much bigger than Twitter at the end of the day is because Facebook is the digital manifestation of offline networks that already exist. And, and this is why I think like the Silicon Valley, I, I think I've said this, but this, I've said it offline for sure. This is, I think, why Silicon Valley doesn't get Facebook and didn't for a long time because the core unit of Facebook is friends and family. And Silicon Valley is filled with people running away from their friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I haven't heard that before. So they fundamentally good. don't get the allure, right? But actually, there's some crazy stat. Like a huge percentage of people live within like 30 minutes of of where they were born. Like, and and, it, and and that and Facebook takes that and puts it online. And so and so Facebook grew like crazy. And those ideas of exposing stuff, transparency, putting it up there, those became not just what Zuckerberg believed but they became integral to the cor- to 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 the company and and what matters to them because what happens is if you have a belief people may disagree and there is pushback against Zuckerberg against various transparency and privacy things in the early days of the company but when you put them into the product and then the product goes on to become wildly successful and even more successful after it changes. Yes, people protested the newsfeed when it came out. For example, like that was that was probably one of the biggest protests was the newsfeed, aka Facebook's most important product. And go back to that the the product the the, the the to your point the thing that people were the most up in arms about 
is actually today the most important thing for Facebook, the most important product for Facebook, the reason why they're so valuable, the reason why they dominate mobile advertising and why they're primed to, to disrupt advertising broadly, as we talked about previously. Given that, what would you expect Facebook to think about the next set of protests? Yeah, I, 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 that's that's a very fair point. I, I don't remember the protests about the newsfeed, though I well believe it to be true. I was more t- it was more the privacy stuff. That well, it, I, it, it was a privacy protest because, like, suddenly, oh, everything I'm doing on Facebook is exposed is exposed to my friends. I don't, I didn't want that, da, 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 even though it was all technically exposed. And I, every single, every single, ver- every single uh, protest bit has been variations on this theme. But that was that was. Because Facebook was small then, the relative to the size of Facebook, that was a that was a big one. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like the point at which I was, I mean, uh, I don't want to I don't want to take us too far off track because you're you're making a broader point. But I was I remember logging on one day and they introduced a feature where they would link. Uh, Facebook to certain news sites, and then they would report on what people were reading on those news sites into my newsfeed. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't clear to most people that that's what was happening. And I remember, for example, um, <laughs> I remember, for example, very clearly who this person was, and they shall re- remain nameless, but they had gone off to a Guardian article about uh, uh, something along the lines of what women want in sex. And that was being broadcast across um, my newsfeed. I don't know how many other people's newsfeeds, I am pretty confident that person did not know that was happening. And I um, I think it's an example of them taking what you described where, um, yeah, like people object about this becoming open and stretching it too far. And there are other examples of that. For example, the... Um, there was a feature that they introduced to. Was it the? It had to do with a graph search where you could become, you could get very specific about attributes around people that you uh, could search on, and you could search of uh, uh, people who identified as Falun Gong who have family in China, for example. It, it, there were there were things like sometimes there are elements of friction where it's actually reasonable and valuable to, to for example, like back where we started with teal. And I feel that they have at times skewed way too far on the like we're open and everybody should see everything and the world should be completely transparent angle. Yep, you 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 made like you you just made the point, which 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 brings us all full circle. The reality is that for all of Teal's irritation at Gawker for outing him, if we were to somehow be able to chart and number the way that Facebook accidentally outed someone or mm. Google with the buzz thing in the email, like accidentally revealed stuff on a numeric basis. Uh, technology is massively done massive more harm to people than Gawker ever has or ever will. Mm. And the fact that this doesn't occur to people in technology is the problem. Like the, the technology, Facebook is so powerful. And these companies are so powerful because they are they are causing structural changes, systematic changes, and those are exciting. And it's I get to write about it for a career, which is awesome, because the impact is is almost immeasurable. It might be immeasurable per the GDP discussion, but it it's it's all it's all anonymous and it's all like 
theoretical, except for when you're that dude who is now revealed as being out because someone did a search for people who are gay in small town USA mm. or people who follow X website or he or the guard the guy who showed the thing in the Guardian. So I, I don't think it's any secret that over <laughs> over all the episodes we've had together, I haven't been the biggest fan of Facebook. And, you know, if I'm being really, really honest with myself, I think what you just said right then is a big part of why. Um, I think that perhaps more so than any other entity in the world, probably more so than any person, Facebook could have pieced together that about me. And it it's like a little scary. Um, I, I, as context, I, I had lunch we were a lunch with a friend today and we were talking about stuff related to this and he asked the question that if um do you do you think facebook would be better able to predict whether a couple's going to stay together more so than the couple's close friends and family and he's right like if they decided to ask that question the data they have could piece that together and uh it's it it scares me a little that there's a company out there that not only has access to that information and can use it to, to, to make a profit, but more so that in reducing the friction and all the wonderful things that has enabled, it also, as the point you've made many times, like that friction is, the reduction in friction can also be really dangerous. The, the thing where you would show every article you read is transparently dumb. Like you ask anyone, about this feature and you could immediately come up with reasons why it's a bad idea. So why didn't it occur to Facebook? It didn't occur to Facebook because their culture, like culture makes you blind. It's powerful and useful because it lets you scale and lets Facebook grow to the size it is because Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have to tell everyone what to do because it's embedded. But the flip side is it makes you blind. It probably didn't even occur to whoever implemented that product about the way things could go bad because it was embedded in Facebook's culture through previous decisions that were validated by success that more openness and more sharing were better even if people bitch. That's yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely right. I I it's um that 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 perspective that you can map down everything about human relationships and then bring it to light, like quantify it and share it is like a big part of what it is. And I feel that the, like that, that almost engineering kind of math problem around human relationships that it can all be codified is sometimes taken too far. But the fact that they even, they even started to approach it in that way is the reason that the company's as successful as it is. And it's super valuable. I mean, I think probably for you and I appreciate this, you know, I mean, just being like living, being quote unquote world citizens. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. It's, it's life changing. And, but, and you know, the, the Spider-Man, great power, great responsibility. Like it's, it's, it's totally the case here. And I'm glad we could talk about Facebook because you and I in this podcast and me on Sertechery have for many years been talking about like Apple, for example, and that when we move to a world where it's all about machine learning and the cloud is more important than the device, like they're in big trouble. And mm-hmm. our, and and it's like – and now everyone's kind of talking about this week and after the Google keynote. And it feels like, oh, wait, it's nice to have you on board, but we're not responding 
when, when I write about this or when we've talked about this podcast, we weren't responding to a Google keynote. We were responding to fundamental structural challenges that arise from things like culture. The, and and w- to understand why it angsty on Apple's behalf as an analyst from the, as far as this topic goes, it's because look at Facebook. Look at Facebook doing such transparently dumb things as allowing people to broadcast their reading how to please women in bed and apply that to – now think about a company that's had unprecedented success in building the most perfect as possible products, polished to a T, things in the world, and think, are you going to buy fiat, tell that company to turn around and completely change how they do their business to, to build an effective cloud service? Like, once you understand the power of culture, the idea is absurd. This is, I, I think, this is what I enjoy the most about these conversations because it's um, it's. It's one thing to be able to um, understand what's happened uh, in the past. I think that's a super valuable starting point. But if you pick up any financial, uh, the financial part of any newspaper, there are lots of people who can explain it. And the explanations always make so much sense. But then you think if these guys knew so much about what it was, wouldn't they have acted on it before it actually happened? And this is why it's it's the realization that kind of occurred to me in business school when I started, when I was first exposed to these theories. And the reason that I enjoy the, these conversations so much is because you get into the incentives, you get into the culture, you get into the business models, you, uh, you, and using these things, you can apply them to the circumstances of which companies, uh, sometimes even individuals, like the circumstances they're in, and you can, with a surprising, not perfect, but a surprising degree of accuracy, predict what's going to happen. And that's way much, that's to me at least, and I think to you as well, it's way more fun than trying to figure out what happened in the past. Right. And that's why like, I'm not a stock picker, right? Because that, that, that entails that's – the, that's relatively short term and it's timing. Like if I ever like got into that business, it would only be to make like 20-year bets, right? Mm. Because like like the, like this Apple AI business, like in, – in, it's not just AI. Like I think that's too narrow and who knows how AI will turn out. It, it's all – it's just this, this – we talked about it a couple weeks ago, the shift to everything as a service, right? Mm-hmm. Where where you, the products become less ownership and sharing and just this broader – Shift in who knows how long that's going to take. You in, you look at the world, you know. Given as we talked about, it's interesting to think about the world as it ought to be. And there's so many ways in getting in the way of that. Like Apple, for example. Like the the, the way as the world ought to be is that you know Google theoretically like ought to win because they they almost certainly have the best the best cloud stuff in, in voice recognition all sort of stuff. Yeah, I created Google in this article and I wrote an article last week saying they have big problems too. Because they don't have access to customers. They do on Android. Again, the, the huge deal. And a, a perfect example, people criticize me. You're worried about Android, Android. I acknowledge Android. I'm sorry I didn't write a paragraph about it. It was only a sentence. But like that means I thought about it. Like Android is – this is why I've always defended the Android stuff, even though it totally messed Google up. Like I think internally for a long time that they've just now fixed. Because they have an in to you know, a few billion people, which is pretty – which is a – Good Big deal, right? But people don't. People spend time in Facebook. They spend their attention in Facebook, and all the richest people, which are not more valuable in a, in like a in like a value of a person sense, but valuable from a monetization standpoint, are on iOS, where Google doesn't have access to them, except through through these third party things. And 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 so in the in the short to medium term, there are structural things, and Apple has the advantage because they have those customers. But the question is, 
if that structural advantage were to ever go away, how would you feel about Apple's chances then? Yeah, I, I, I mean, we again, we talked about this in terms of like it being a little bit cheeky, Apple calling themselves a services company uh, back in that earnings call, was it a couple of quarters ago? And then more recently, they kind of did tacitly acknowledge that, no, it's hardware first and the services are just there to... Um, the services are there to support. The interesting thing is like what you just described with Google is just another perfect example of how this process works because they got their start just by focusing on building the best engineering solution and they put it out there and people came and it made them wildly successful. And that's the culture that's now embedded inside of them. And The circumstances have shifted pretty substantially from way back in, was it the late 90s or early 2000s when they launched and it was the open web and it was the Wild West. Like you're dealing with companies that own these ecosystems and that have control of users. And it's not as you you very well, you articulated it very well in in a recent article. It's not enough just to be the best. You've got to, the best plus you've got to have access and these it's not just culture like these things feed on themselves like people have a way of looking at the world and if they think about things in this very open way then they're going to go to facebook if they think about it from this very engineering building the best mindset they're going to go to google if it's about this delightful experience with a device they're going to go to they're going to go to Apple. And not only do you have the culture creating that, you have these people that are motivated by these things there. And it ends up making it even that much harder to change direction if that's what's necessary later on. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's a great point. And the, it's, so, it's so often the case with, um, with every company that when it comes to success, they give themselves all the credit. And when it comes to... And, and when when reality like the circumstances matter like Google like and I'm not at all denigrating Google in the early in what they built and it was amazing it was so insightful and all this sort of stuff but it was a necessary prerequisite that the world was open like everything mm-hmm. a browser was unrestricted Microsoft didn't understand at a fundamental level so they sought to control the browser which when actually all the interesting stuff was inside the browser. Right. And, and, and any website could be, you, you, you could go to and, and you could set the default to be that website. Mm-hmm. And like that's a huge factor in Google's success. And that's not to take anything away from Google's success. That is, dare I say, the privilege that Google enjoyed was that they came up in an open world where their deserve, like their absolute brilliance and their, and they deserve to win. But it, it could come to fruition because of the circumstances in which they arose. Same thing with Facebook. Same thing with Apple. Like all the various factors aligning at the right time. And yes, you needed the right company and the right people to take advantage of it. I'm We're not discounting that in the slightest for any of these companies. Just acknowledging there are other things that are going on. And if you understand the things that are going on, that's how you – that's again how you think about how things might have changed and, and – how these companies might fare going forward. Yeah, but the environment changes and what can be a very uh, a very beneficial environment for a certain species, if it changes too much, can make it very hostile very quickly. And 
like that's part of that's part of the underlying tension like that the google example is a perfect is a perfect one like in an envi- in an open environment that is hugely beneficial to an organization that has that kind of mindset as things close off it it makes things a little bit harder it's not just enough to come along uh, it, it's it's fine to come along after all the browsers have shipped and ship a better uh, after all the search engines have shipped and they're not very good and ship one that's way better that does it just as it's meant to to do it it's it's not enough to come along and and ship a social network that you think is wildly better after the first one is shipped because like the nature of how these things work and the environment you're operating in is fundamentally different and it, like just being the best in that instance is not going to be enough. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, the, the, I, I mentioned Microsoft as the classic example. Like Microsoft, Microsoft's entire business and success is is all about understanding leverage. <laughs> like, and they leverage themselves into positions, and they they leverage that into other positions, and that's why they got themselves in antitrust trouble. And they presume they could leverage themselves into a position in the phone market, right? Even like, even though it was it was obvious to everyone on the outside that. It, it was a hopeless cause. Microsoft, in as late as fall 2010, this is post iPhone 4 is out. The App Store is is three years old at this point. It is it is a phenomena, and Microsoft held a funeral for the iPhone <laughs> because Windows Phone was launching. Like yeah. culture is awesome until it utterly and completely blinds you, and and. I, I'm. This is the concern for Facebook. It's not the the explicit stuff. It's the implicit stuff. This is the and it's the concern for tech broadly. Like tech is again just the convinced of its own righteousness, and that we are changing the world and and things are going to be better. And it's the it's the entire culture of the industry, and I worry about the myopia that comes with that because heavens knows. Tech as an industry has known unprecedented success, and success locks in that stuff till you don't even know you have these fundamental views of the world, and you don't even know that you have them. Yeah, and and it attracts people who are who who like that approach that think that this is this can be a panacea, and it becomes blind to the criticisms that that other people raise because like that culture attracts people who appreciate it. Yep, and 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 it's 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 particularly difficult in like ecosystem or like broad based things like that because there's no like there's no leader right there's no CEO that can that 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 can change things uh, you know and again the way you change things is incredibly difficult and it's not about fiat it's about you know doing subtle things but where is that where where is that for tech and and that, again that raises the concern like they're the one entity is likely the federal government and. And mm. yeah, now we're, I think we're, I think we're, we've, we've done multiple full circles. <laughs> yeah. On that note. Yeah. I think we just titled the podcast. <laughs> yes. I think that's a possibility. Sounds good. Well, we have gone long as you, uh, we were, we, we actually went under last week. So we, ha- it's kind of like, it's kind of like the NBA luxury tax. It resets. So we we're, we're, we're <laughs> over again. Um, but yeah, lots, lots, lots of, lots of stuff. Lots, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Yeah. Always good chatting. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. See you, mate. Yeah, bye-bye.